With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
uh, Martin Luther King Boulevard at the statue, and we simply go out there and have some community, clean up, fellowship, talk, share, and we always learn something new and something special when we do that. But, of course, on Fridays at 12 o'clock, usually about 12 o'clock to 2, we have what we call a gathering, not an official organization, anything like that, and we meet up at the Westside Bistro, which is uh, a part of Nevada Partners, located at 710 West Lake Mead Boulevard, that's 710 West Lake Mead Boulevard, inside of Nevada Partners, the Westside Bistro, and we meet up there. And I, we meet there because one day Sam says, Rodney, meet me at the bistro and let's have lunch Friday. And as so many of you who know me and have listened to this show for a while, the rest is history. For those of you who may not uh, have heard this story before or may not have heard this particular story, meeting at the bistro, the West Side Bistro, and believe it or not, we're still doing it. And we've been doing it for roughly 10 years. I don't know the exact day that Sam told me to meet him, but I did meet him there. And we went to the bistro, and Sam says, Rodney, I want you to sit right here in this corner. I want you to watch who comes and goes. Meet as many of them as you can because you never know who they might be, how they may benefit you in the future, or how you may benefit them. Now, not being the most outgoing person at the time, he was asking a lot. Not exactly sure he was asking. I think he was telling <laughs> but Sam was a guy He was very outgoing Everybody knew him, seems like And if they didn't know him, they were going to know him If they walked through that door And I would simply sit there and watch Sam If he saw somebody new, somebody that he didn't know He would get up and go say Hi, how you doing? My name is Sam Smith, who are you? And he'd stick his hand out To shake their hand and after asking them who were they and they'd give his name, he'd say, oh, yeah, what do you do? Where are you from? And they always could just sort of spout out what they did, but the where you from part would always give them a pause because I guess I can only imagine, one, they're probably asking why is he asking, and then, two, they're thinking, where am I from? Because if they're born in Las Vegas, their people probably came from someplace else. They weren't born here. That means they came from someplace else. So it gave them a moment to a moment to think. And if they said they were from Las Vegas, Sam would say, well, where are your people from? And that would also cause them to pause to think, well, where are my people from? If they were in the military and they said they're stationed, you'd say, well, where, you, where, were you, where were you from before that? Where you been stationed? And I remember after watching Sam do this and watching people's response to it, I said, Sam, why do you why do you ask them where they're from? And he would tell me, he says, Rodney, he says, because if you ask them where they're from, 
they usually have to think about it. And because you asked them, they felt like you were interested in them, and they would probably open up and start talking. Sam went on to say, if you'll notice that I don't do most of the talking, they do. It could be somebody I just met. And if I ask them those questions, and sometimes it could be a series of questions, he said, notice that they're the ones who do all the talking. And I, not only did I notice that he was absolutely right, they would be the ones doing the majority of the talking after that, but they were smiling. They were engaged. To a certain extent, maybe it even disarmed them. Time, the conversation would end. So Sam wouldn't spend too much time because there was always someone else to meet. But by the time the conversation ended, he knew them probably better than their friends. And they knew him probably better than they knew their friends. They knew more about him anyway. And I thought that was fascinating. And I watched Sam, and over time, he would say, hey, Rodney, come over here. Let me introduce you to whoever it is. Now, remind you, oftentimes, Sam had just met them. But now he's introducing me to them as if they've known each other for years. And, of course, I would get up from the table, and I'd go over and meet whoever it was. So while, you know, you do it enough, you, you know, you start to get used to it. And maybe it disarmed me, too, being the shy person that I was. You couldn't be shy and be around Sam. So that's a little introduction of Sam Smith and who Sam Smith was to me. And I'm going to go into it a little bit more, but if if you all knew Sam and want to call in and say a few words about maybe who Sam was to you or where, you know, your first recollections of Sam or maybe that something that he did to you or said to you that you remember, feel free to give us a call, 347-826-9600. 347-826-9600 and press the number one to speak. That'll give me a little tune to know that you're not just listening. To hear your story of Sam, I'd love to know how did you meet Sam? Who was Sam to you? Was Sam the owner of the only African-American bookstore that so many people found him because eventually you would ask around and all questions like that led if it dealt with books, African-American culture and history at the time, it seemed like all questions led to Sam. And truth be told, that's how I met Sam. I was stationed here in the mid-'80s, and I think I was looking for either I was looking for a book or a, a particular style of hat. You know, it's it's the brimless round cap, and I was looking for a black leather one. And as I was asking around to different people and referred to different people, eventually this one name kept coming up, Sam Smith. And I was told that he was at the bookstore. And I got the address for the bookstore, and I finally went into the city because I was all the way on the other side of town at Nellis Air Force Base. So I 
had to drive to what we called the Alphabet Street, the Numbered Street. And at that time, it didn't have the best reputation. Down there looking for this, I'm pretty sure it was a hat. And when I get there, of course, I meet Sam. And he did what he did with everybody, asked me where I was from, who, who my people are. And we started talking. I, he found out that I was in the military and that I was stationed out at Nellis. He told me he, had, he was a veteran, Army. And uh, I told him I had lived in New York. He told me he had lived in New York. He was a transplant there as well. And the conversation continued. Eventually he asked me what high school I went to, and I told him, and he seemed to be pretty impressed by my attendance at that high school in New York. He said it was a high school he didn't get into. Now, Sam was smart. Maybe, maybe, for sure. No, not maybe. For sure, one of the smartest people I've ever met with one of the best memories. And he was well-read. And Sam, one of the things he told me was that he had been a police officer in New York. As a matter of fact, I think at the time, he was the youngest police officer on the force. There wasn't a whole lot of black people on New York City Police uh, Department back in those days. And Sam told me that uh, he worked a night shift. And I believe he worked uh, a portion of the time in the train station. And Sam said a lot of times there would be nothing to do. So he used to bring books with him, and he would read. So he'd read maybe a couple of three books a week because didn't have much else to do. And he had that type of memory that if he read it, he could recall it. So by working those years with the police department with all of that time on his hands, he had a chance to read a lot. And he he experienced a lot. He was a very observant fellow. He was using the scientific method as just not knowing it purposely, but just doing it. And he observed. And sometimes he would draw conclusions, and other times he would just talk about what he had observed. And one of the things that Sam had told me over, because I started going back to the bookstore and you know, we, we stayed in contact for a while. I think I got reassigned to something, lost contact with him, came back, reestablished contact, eventually retired. And I knew that when I retired, I wanted to retire in Las Vegas. I didn't always know that, nor did I ever want to, want to get stationed here. But I can tell you that a part of me wanting to come back to Las Vegas had a heck of a lot to do with Sam. And Sam was Sam was like that person that in the old days, the griot, you know, the guy that knew all the history and stuff of that particular area and people. Sam was like that person that if you're back home in Carolina or someplace in the South, you know, that would be on the porch and as you walked or rode by or rode your, your mule or your horse by. Sam was that guy who saw everybody and knew everybody and 
you know, back in the country, you waved and said hey to everybody. You got to know people. You know, Sam would be that one guy if you're living in the city in New York on the block who knew all the kids and the parents, <laughs> the good stuff and maybe the not so good stuff because he was observant because he talked to people and people talked to him. Sam made you feel good because he made you feel like you were important to him. It's a rare quality nowadays, but that's something that Sam had. And reconnected with Sam, I was towards the tail end of my career. And I wanted to, I'd always been involved in the community since going to my first PTA meeting. And I didn't even have children in school. But I wanted to be a part of the community. And I thought that the school was the place to be connected. And I had a pretty good history at the time of being involved in the schools. And I shared that with Sam. And, you know, there was something about that that he liked. And so then our relationship really solidified. And I became a regular associate of Sam. I want to read you some stuff that I wrote about Sam to give you an idea of how I felt about Sam and still feel about Sam. And it goes, remembering Sam Smith. Sam shared and poured a lot of him into us, into me. Physically, he is no longer with us, but he will still be seen through us. Mr. Sam Smith, who many called just Sam, is the man who started the gathering. He was the only black bookstore owner in the state for a while. He got more black people on the fire department than any other locally. Now, let me... You know, there's more stuff I could read, but let, let's just take a little bit of that right there. And I said, Sam shared and poured a lot of him into us. And what I mean by that, or at least partially what I mean by that, is he talked about his life experiences, and he shared that with us, but he also just shared himself with us. He wanted us to share us with him. Good, bad, indifferent, didn't make any difference to Sam. He, he just wanted us to share. Sam had this strong belief that we needed to talk to one another and that we simply just didn't do enough of it. Not talk at each other, not talk past one another, but really take the time to get to know one another, to share. And that's what Sam did. And in doing that, one of the things that would happen is when you would go to the bookstore, and there were some people who did go to buy books, but I think a lot of people just went to have audience with Sam so that he could pour into us and we can share. It's something that influences me today. Because even though 
I tend to be a person that I would much rather be at home, even in my room at home, with a book. Sam taught me the value of other people that maybe I didn't experience until meeting him. Because that book and my imagination could be my world. And Sam appreciated that I read so much. He And he would give me stuff to read. And I actually did buy books from Sam Smith. But he also thought that there was life is lived with people, not in books. Now, again, he was a believer in books. But he thought books augmented your life, but they were not your life. And for me, books sort of were my life. But Sam helped me realize that my life was meant to be lived, and it was meant to be lived with people. I appreciate Sam for that. I saw how other people would come to the bookstore. If I was at the bookstore already, before other people came, other people would come. If I came a little bit late, then there were already people there, sometimes the same, sometimes different ones, talking about books, talking about life, but ultimately they were talking, sometimes one-on-one with Sam and sometimes in groups. And I think Sam knew that he had something in that. So when I say that Sam poured into us, if, if you had a child, and the child had no father, then Sam, to a certain extent, became a fatherly figure. That's, that's pretty powerful. There were many women who would come, young and not so young, with children, young and not as young, who they wanted their children to have audience with Sam. If they needed tutoring with math or with English or whatever, they would bring him to Sam. To get, and they would leave their children there with Sam, which by itself said a lot. And then it got so that the children of the children that Sam had been there for were there with Sam, helping them read, teaching them quick ways to do math. Sam was like a genius, but in multiple areas. And he came up with these little quick ways to do math, solve math problems. And they worked, and they were easy. Had I had my thinking cap back then, I would have been writing a lot more of that stuff down to capture it. And that taught me a lesson. I'm going to share that with you. When you encounter someone or something that significantly significantly impacts you, document it somehow. Document it somehow. Whether it's writing it down, taking a note, or taking your phone out, and video or even audio recording it, you know, get people's permission if it's one-on-one, but document it. Because Sam dropped so much wisdom all the time. Now, luckily for me, I was with him enough, and Sam repeated his stories over and over. I mean, he inserted new ones, but he still would repeat the same stories over and over again. I remember he repeated them so much that I could start it I could take it over and finish it because he said it so much. 
I never asked Sam why, but when I wasn't with Sam, and one of the stories that Sam had told me was germane to a conversation that I was having with someone, and I was able to recall the information from the story that Sam had told so often, that's when it dawned on me as to why Sam was repeating the story. In the Bible, they call it remitting. And what it is is that the more you tell something, the more it becomes a part of your memory. Sam, I realized, was telling me those stories so that I would remember, retain the knowledge. Remember, I said he was like the griot in our community. So the bookstore, I don't know if Sam really made money off the bookstore because I think he gave away or I'm doing air quotes, loaned like a library people more books than he sold. There was a book that you wanted that he didn't have or a book that he thought you should have that he didn't have in stock. He would order that book for you. And there was a couple that I that I ordered like that, but most of the books I got from him, because, you know, he had good stuff, I wanted it. Sam also did something else with books. And this is something that he passed on to our buddy Alex. Sam used to go to uh, thrift stores to buy books. Because oftentimes there were, the books there that people really didn't care for, they were just getting rid of it. They were given, it was almost as if they were trying to give away treasure. And Sam would go treasure hunting at these thrift stores. And I remember the one on Rancho. Uh, I think it's Rancho and, well, we'll just say Rancho and, and, and Washington, but it was a little further north. But it was not too far from where the old zoo used to be. And Sam would go there, and he would buy books. And sometimes Sam didn't I – I don't know whether he didn't like to drive or I don't know what it was, but Sam would always want me to drive. So he'd say meet him at some place. I'd meet him there. We'd spend a few minutes. Sometimes right away he'd tell me, get in the car, let's go. Of course, I'd say where. He'd say he'd tell me on the way. And that's just what he would do. He'd give me directions on the way. A lot of times it was to other places. Oftentimes it was to bookstores or it was to meet someone. So when Sam would go, I call it uh, scavenger hunting treasure, the treasure was actually books. And so that, I wouldn't say it's a habit, but whenever I go into a thrift store or a discount store, I tend to all gravitate towards where they have books. And invariably I'll pick up a book because the books would be like a dollar. I got a book about the riot at Franklin K. Lane. Now, I'm sure most of you don't know about Franklin K. Lane. Franklin K. Lane was a high school in New York City, but it was a high school that my eldest brother attended, and I remember the riot. And on one of these excursions with Sam, I see this old book, and it's about the riots of Franklin K. Lane. My brother is deceased. But because it had Franklin K. Lane in it, and I knew that's where my brother attended school, 
it attracted my attention, and I got that book. And guess what? It was a dollar. And it's a book I treasure because it connects me with my brother. That was through Sam. So Sam would go treasure hunting for books at thrift stores. So for those of who like to read, and maybe there's, you, you like to discover, in other words, you like to read through the, the back covers and, oh, I, this is interesting, get it? Uh, definitely hit up the thrift stores, Salvation Army. It doesn't make any difference which ones they are, but but go check them out. So going back to some of the stuff I'd written about Sam, uh, Sam also got more black people on the fire department on the fire department than anyone else I know. And he would often say he got 100 people on the fire department. Sam was a firefighter. He's actually fire marshal, safety inspector. Yeah, he's, you know, he's the guy to go in and check out the restaurant. So he knew a lot of people. He knew new businesses because all of them needed to be set up. And that was a benefit to him because then if it was, a, for example, if it was a new African-American business, he would direct people there so that to help give them business. But he also made sure they were tight, too. But Sam gave up himself like that. And because Sam was, he was just good at taking tests. Not that he was a good test taker only, but he was smart. If you gave him something to read to prepare for something, then he would know it. Sam talked about when he took a test for the Army, and he just about aced the test. And then people who were having problems with the exam, he would actually kind of teach them before they would go in to take the exam so that they could pass the exam to go in the Army. This is back in the Vietnam era. Now, some people say, well, why would the black man want people to go in and fight the, air quotes, white man's war? Well, he wasn't doing it so they could go fight the war because the majority of people in service never reached the battlefield. But what he saw it was for many, it was a way out because you got the GI Bill. You got to go to college. You got a you got a vocation that you know you were, became skilled labor supervisor manager, and then if you took advantage of the schooling opportunities, you could move up and it prepared you when you got out. Plus, it taught a lot of people discipline, which many of us needed and still need. So he saw it as a tool. Maybe more should see it as a tool. And so he would help people get into the military. When he was in the military, he, he didn't go to combat, and and he had a job that wasn't a field job. It was another, like, basically inside job, so he had more time to read. So he did it. He took advantage of the opportunity, which is also sort of a message to all of you, is when the door or window of opportunity opens, Step through it. Who knows if it will ever, ever open again or when. But at least if you step through it when it does and get whatever was in there for you, you have it. And then you can build upon it. Once Sam got out of the military, relocated to Las Vegas, Sam got his bachelor's degree. I believe it was in African-American studies. Relocated in Vegas, got onto the fire force, took the test, 
basically ace the test. Sam started teaching other black people and people in general and encouraging them to join the fire department because Sam knew that you work, what, three days a week? You get paid a lot of money. As a matter of fact, if you look up the highest paid municipal employees, usually it's firefighters because there's always seemingly a shortage of them or there's big fires that require a full complement. And so you put in a lot of overtime. So remember, a firefighter, you, you, you go and live in the station for like three days, but you're getting paid. And then you get like four days off. What kind of, you could have another job. You could have two jobs because you had so much time. Or you could spend time with your family. Or you could go to school. And Sam knew that. So he knew that by getting a job with the fire department, not only did it create a career for you with a retirement and benefits, but it gave you a good salary. It gave you an opportunity to move up. And there's always jobs at the fire department. But there were very few blacks in the fire force, in the fire service. So by Sam telling people this and encouraging them, he helped changed literally the face of the fire department in Las Vegas. And many of the people, especially black people, who ultimately became fire chiefs had Sam Smith to thank. So a little quick break for Station ID. I'm Rodney Smith in the air chair today, and we're talking about basically remembering Sam Smith. His birthday was Wednesday, and I just thought that this was a good time to just reflect. You can give us a call at 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600, if you would like to share a little bit about your recollections or memories, experiences with Sam Smith. We'd love to hear from you. Once again, it's 347-826-9600. A little more about Sam. Not only did he get men on the fire, into the fire service, but he also strongly encouraged women. And there's a young lady, I call her my sister through Sam, named Trina Jobs. She's the owner of Grit Cafe. And I think she was some type of administrative worker. And Sam saw something in her, and he asked her if she'd ever considered working for the fire, fire service as a firefighter or something. I believe the answer was no. Sam encouraged her. Sam encouraged her by helping her get physically fit, helping her do push-ups because the firefighter exam has a physical component because it is a laborious job when you're actually employed to do your job, when you have to go out and fight a fire, taking, getting those hoses off the truck, holding the hose, especially when it's with water and then putting the hoses back and maintaining it. You know, it can, can be quite laborious. So you have to be physically fit. And part of the exam to get on to the fire service is a physical exam. And Sam would remind her and he would encourage her and urge on and support her. And eventually she got onto the fire department here and she became the first black woman 
in the fire department here in Las Vegas. And she will always be that historic figure. She's a history maker locally. That happened ultimately because she put she put in the work. But she would have never been in the position to put in the work had it not been for Sam giving her that information and encouraging her. And that should be a message, a note for all of us with our people. Encourage them. Even if it's something that they don't know about, maybe it's something that they're not interested in at the time. But inform them first and foremost, and then encourage and support them. Because Trina talks about how that changed her life. And I, I, I used to love, because whenever I'd go meet Sam, he'd always tell me about Trina. It was something about Trina that was special to him. And he would always say, before I met her, it was like I knew her because I heard Sam talking about her so much. And not only did she go on to the fire service and became a fire inspector, she recently retired. Now, Trina is a fine sister. She was fine when she was young, and she's fine now because she still looks young. And she's in shape. And she has a career behind her now that she'll be retired, and a good retirement would benefit for the rest of her life. And she's still a young woman. She's been able to buy a house, own vehicles, take vacations, put her son through college school due to Sam made life easier for her. Now, of course, there's bumps in the road and there's challenges. And being the first, and especially if it's first black, even more so first black woman, it's a lot of challenges. But she made it through. And now she can go and tell her story, and I probably tell it at least as much as her. Because Sam used to tell me her story all the time. But Sam changed not just Trina's life and the life of her child, to a certain extent, the life of her family. And then through that, the Grit Cafe has employed people in her community. It, was a, it gave people a chance to be employed. It also gave us a chance to go and eat some good food. And if you have not had that grilled shrimp bowl, you're missing out. I'll just leave it like that. That's my favorite. As a matter of fact, I think I get the six-piece uh, grilled sh- shrimp bowl whenever I go there. And they've expanded their menu, so go there and check them out off of Stella Lake Drive. I-, I use Trina to show you the impact that Sam had on a life, but he had an impact on 100 lives like that. As a matter of fact, the first Asian woman, and the fire service here, Sam helped them get on the job. The highest-ranking woman, I believe, in the fire service in the state, Sam helped them get a job. So even though Sam was trying to make lives better for people in the community and African Americans, if someone had a, a desire, a will, then Sam was more than willing to help them. And those who listen are successful today. Now, Sam wasn't always the sort of docile type of guy. He pushed you. 
And Sam was an older gentleman, so maybe the way that he would speak isn't the way that a lot of young people are used to being spoken to nowadays because he could be very direct. And some people did fall by the wayside because they couldn't handle it. I don't think he was abusive by any means, but, you know, he called you on your bovine defecation because he knew that people could do it because he knew the people who did do it and because he did it himself. He saw women that did it. So what would be an excuse not to do it? Oh, you're not good at math, I'll teach you. Oh, you need some help with vocabulary skill? I can teach you. Start with the letter Q. Just get a dictionary and, and just read the definitions of the letter Q. Read the definitions of the letter X. Start off small and expand it. Sam read dictionaries. As a matter of fact, one of the books he sought was dictionaries. And if you had a dictionary, he'd always want you to bring him the dictionary. And if you didn't want it, he would be glad to have it. And he found, we found that we had something in common as a child. I used to read dictionaries. My mother bought me a dictionary. It had to have been somewhere between, well, nine inches to a foot deep. Thick. And it was heavy. It was a big old book. I got this when I was in elementary school. And I tried to read as much of that dictionary as I could. When I told Sam that, you know that laugh he has, and he talked about how he read the dictionary too, and we struck it off. We had more in common. Not only did Sam get people on the fire department, he also helped them get on the police force because it's a good job. Again, you could get a job on the police department working corrections, and you work a three-day week. If they needed extra help, okay, you worked another day of getting time and a half, so now you had a four-day work week, and you got paid overtime, and you already started out with a base salary, roughly of $55,000. So with working one extra day a week for four days, oh, wow, you still get a three-day weekend, and look at the extra money that you built up. Sam knew this. And he also knew that the more people that got into these different departments, especially people of color and specifically black people, over time they would become people of influence in, their, in those departments and they could start making the positive changes that a homogenized police force or fire department wouldn't make on their own, that it would challenge and push the status quo. Because you're bringing people in with different ideas and people who had been shut out. And he knew that there were structural and institutional biases that kept people from getting there. And that's why sometimes he had to push people because they'd want to they'd quit. That was Sam Smith. If you were a young person doing decent in school, he would encourage you. He'd give you books. But if you were a young person going off to college, did you know that Sam actually paid people's tuition? He was a firefighter. He was also a disabled veteran. He had been in the police force in New York City. He invested. So Sam had a couple of pennies to rub together. But he wasn't selfish with his money. 
he didn't go out and flamboyantly spend it by any means. I mean, to look at Sam, you may not know that he had retired from the fire department because of the way he dressed. If it was an occasion, Sam clean up, though. But if somebody would come and they were a little short, whether it was the individual or the parent of the individual, Sam would just pay their tuition. If they didn't have books, Sam would pay for their books. He wasn't a non-profit, not that there's anything against it, but that's what he did out of his own heart. And he would ask that they would be excellent. That was Sam's thing that sort of resonated with me. Sam said, be excellent. He said, as black people, we should always be excellent. Be excellent. Rodney, be excellent. Whatever you do, be excellent. That reminded me of my mother telling me, you can do it, Rod, you can do it, and be the best. Well, being excellent, being the best, to me that went together. So I gravitated towards Sam because he encouraged excellence. I made it through the military because I did things in an exemplary fashion. I followed the book. I read it. I knew it. I found out that I often knew more stuff about my job than people older, more experienced, and with more rank, simply because I cracked open the book. If I had a free moment, I read how to do this, how to do that. Even if it was beyond my job, it was in the realm of someone else's job, I would still read. Sam appreciated that. Sam knew the power of reading. That's why he, why he gave books away. It wasn't great for his business, but it was great for the minds who took the time to read those books. Uh, once again, we're talking about reflecting on the life of Sam Smith. He uh, celebrated, I believe, his 74th birthday uh, Wednesday. I just wanted to take some time to share with you the man that many of you didn't get to know. A little bit more of what I wrote about Sam was uh, he is a man that I admired more than any other I met. This is not all of what Sam Smith accomplished during his life, but kind of a snapshot of who he was and the impact that he had. For those of us who knew Sam, because he was at the uh, Culinary Training Academy and at the Westside Bistro so much, they had given him a nickname. And they called him the mayor of the bistro. And they would kind of treat Sam a little special. You know, when there were graduations at the Culinary Academy, whether it was with Nevada Build or with just people graduating from uh, learning how to do the, you know, the, the rooms and stuff at hotels, they would invite Sam to the graduation breakfasts. Sam had a table. And then Sam would invite people from the community. And it was a way to share and spread the word of the good works that they were doing at Nevada Partners. And so Sam would say, Ryan, there's a graduation Friday. Come on. she come to breakfast. And I would go. And it also helped me meet more people. I would say that one of Sam's non 
monetary values was knowing people. He met people. People knew him. And one of the benefits of that that I found later is as I started meeting more and more people with Sam and making those connections, and because people had a certain appreciation for him that just by me being with Sam, I got a little bit of that too. That if sometimes if I heard someone say that they needed a thing or wanted something, I knew people to refer them to. And as time went by, I realized how valuable that was. As a matter of fact, just a couple of days ago, a young woman that I met because of Sam going to the gathering at the West Side Bistro, I had, I'll admit, I kind of forgot the young lady. But she reconnected with me and reminded me who she was. And so, oh, yes, thank you. And we, we chatted. And just the other day, she was telling me that the job that she had, the contract was out, and she asked me if I knew of anyone who might be hired. And I said, well, what do you do? And she told me. And I someone else, because people send me stuff. That's the other thing about Sam. Sam always asks people, if you go someplace, bring me back a newspaper for him. If you go locally, uh, if you've got a dictionary, bring me back a dictionary. You know, he'd ask the little things like that. And but he would make these connections. And this young lady, she called me and she said she was looking for a job. And someone had sent me information about a job. And I was able to transfer that information to this young lady in a matter of minutes. And I thought, I don't know if she got the job, but I know it gave her an opportunity for a job that maybe she wouldn't have had. And that's sort of like what Sam was on a much larger scale. He was a conduit of opportunities to many in a multiplicity of of manners. He knew who did what. He knew who needed what. And he often would connect with the do with the need. That's a valuable commodity. Maybe in some instances, it's like money that can be transferred from hand to hand. That was Sam. That's something I've tried to do. Now, they called in the mayor to bistro. For those of us who knew him and hung out with him, we called in the Oracle of Las Vegas. And we did that because he knew so much about the local history of Vegas and he knew so much about everything. You know, you start talking about whatever subject, and Sam knew something about it. That was Sam. So one of his nicknames was, for us anyway, was the Oracle of Las Vegas. Uh, when I think of things I've done, it's been often inspired by him. And I sometimes wonder how my life would have been had I not have met Sam Smith. I'm sure compared to the things that I've been involved in and the people I've met, there would have been a huge void of that and really of life itself because in people, it helped me experience life fuller. 
by knowing Sam Smith, it improved my life. He enriched me. Still remember Sam saying, we should always be excellent. When I'm in the community, my goal is to be excellent. And when people see me, not necessarily because of the way I'm dressed, but because of the way I carry myself, conduct myself in the community, that I don't gossip who share things with me, they know it's with me, and I don't spread it around. And from that, people ultimately do share a lot of personal things. There's so many people that have so many different needs, and all too often maybe those needs wouldn't have been met had there not been someone like Sam around that they could share with and that Sam has transitioned that hopefully they see that in me and the others that Sam poured into. So, no, I don't have any money to get anybody, <laughs> even though occasionally I have, as Sam had. But what I do have is I have a wealth of experience and a data bank of people. And the value is in the people. It is the brain trust. It is the physical prowess. It is the connectivity, the connection of people to people. That is strength. That is power. That is economy. Do not undervalue it or underestimate it. Capitalize on it. Get to know someone. Sam used to say that many people go to restaurants and leave without even knowing the name of their server. And that's the person handling your food. That resonated with me. So I started, whenever I go to a restaurant, is making sure I ask my server their name and calling them by their name. Try that. Now, you never know what people will do. But I can tell you that even that has led to some things that maybe I would not have received because by me asking them their name and calling them by their name, they would remember me. If they didn't always remember my name, it was familiar to them. And when I came back, they treated me a little better. Not that they treated me bad before, but if there was maybe an opportunity, they always took the positive one because I, it was like they knew me and I knew them. Do we know our neighbors today to know my neighbors? Sam, Sam taught me to know my food server, my beverage server. Sam used to say, you go, people go to a stadium with thousands of people and leave not knowing one more person when they left and when they entered. He said that was a waste of time. How many of you have gone someplace full of people? And this is a rhetorical question. And have left out without knowing one more person than when you entered. See, who knows what that connection could have led to positively? 
So when I go places, especially if I'm with crowds, I try to introduce myself. You know, in this modern era where people tend to be insulated, insular, it's a little more difficult, but if you put forth a little effort, you'd be surprised how people open up to you, who you might meet, how they may be able to enhance your business, whether now or later, or how you may be able to provide something for them, how you can become a resource for them or they can become a resource for you. People power is power. People are economy. Be excellent. I admired Sam Smith and probably and wanted his approval probably more than any other man I had ever known. I didn't grow up with a father. I didn't know what it was to have a father. I always had a yearning to have a father. And Sam was the type of guy that I would have wanted my father to be like. Now, Sam had his own biological children. And I don't know if they saw Sam the same way as we saw Sam. Because one of the things I realized is for people like Sam, oftentimes their family does not have as fond a memory of them as people in the community who've been blessed by them. And that's a cautionary tale that no matter what good we're doing in the community, take care of home first. Be there for your family. Because that's our first responsibility. And Sam, knowing Sam, that reinforced that in me. A very close military buddy asked, because I mentioned Sam so much, he said, who is Sam Smith? And I simply said, he was the man I would have wanted to call me son. To me, a father so far removed from me growing up. And it was like the loftiest title I could give an earthly person. Now, friend is a very important title to me that I, that I get, have given. Not that I'm anyone special, but just talking for me that I've given to very few people. And it is special to me. But father, that's a whole different level. And Sam, as I told my buddy, who said, who is Sam Smith? I said, he was the man I would have wanted to call me son. Well, everyone, that's our show for today. And the topic today simply was remembering Sam Smith. I hope that I've been able to share a little bit at least of the man that I knew with those of you who knew him and, of course, with many of you who did not. And for those of you who attend the gathering and you hear me talk about Sam, I don't know if I've shared all of those stories with you, so hopefully this has given you a little bit more input on who this person is that I talk about, who influenced me to have the gathering, who started the gathering, and through his wisdom, after a few years or so, basically tapped out. And that's what he did. He grabbed me, put his hand on my shoulder and said, Rodney, you got it. And I was shocked, and, he, and I was like, Sam, what do you mean? 
that people come here to see you. And he says, Rodney, I'm an older man. You're a younger man. And you carry it on. That was a life lesson in leadership and also in business. Would you and can you lead your business to? What is your succession plan? That's what it was. Sam Smith, physically not a large man, but for what he and who he was to me and the community, he was a giant of a man and still is. Thank you, everybody, for listening to our show on Our Own Voices Live today called Remembering Sam Smith, whose birthday was July 26. I believe Sam was born in 1943. I hope that when you see me that the work that I'm doing is reminiscent of Sam. It's not Sam, but hopefully it is reminiscent of Sam. And what you will see, I hope, is excellent. For Sam said, we should all be excellent. See you back here next Saturday, 1230, right here on Our Own Voices Live. Tell somebody, share with somebody. And, of course, this Friday at 12, from 12 to 2, I'll be at the Westside Bistro for the gathering. Thank you, everybody. Take care and have a great day. Bye-bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.